Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA, and the Edge of Philly Sports Network. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet. So we're so loaded up tonight that we've uh, expanded our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame voting another week. Uh, because we just couldn't fit it into the show. We are jammed up. It's the eve of college football season for the Penn State Nittany Lions. The Eagles have cut the roster down to 53 and had all kinds of activity today to go along with that. Season opener 11 days away. Phillies are in Arizona after going 3-1 against the Pirates over the weekend, and they have stunk it up two nights in a row in Arizona. Fun time of year, and it's just coming up on Labor Day. I'm still a bit in shock, Bill, over what happened Monday night out in the desert. That was just dreadful. You blow a 7 nothing lead to a bad D-backs team. You thought they'd come out and, you know, be angry on Tuesday. They end up getting in a hole right away and get blown out again. You can't do this stuff, Bill, when you're in a postseason race. But we will talk about the Phillies later. We got lots of football to discuss first. We do. We have a couple great guests tonight that are going to cover all the football bases. Bleeding Green Nation. Brandon Lee Galton is back to talk all things birds. And the legendary voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions, Steve Jones, joins us in the second half. Yeah, as you said, it is a great time of year, Bill. It is September Eve, and that means uh, football time. And we do have a couple of terrific guests, so let's get it going, Billy. Let's get to it. Let's welcome Brandon Lee Galton back to Philly Press Box Radio for time number I don't even know. But we're (laughs) glad to have you, BLG. Always great. Thanks for having me. Always glad to be here. Number 21, still the leader in the clubhouse. 21 visits. Brandon awesome. Lee Gowden. Uh, hey, yeah, as Bill said, it is a fun time of the year. We're fast approaching another Eagles football season. There could still be a change or two between now and September 11th. We saw one today. Jalen Rager finally sent packing, making a lot of fans happy with that news. Uh, any major surprises otherwise regarding this 53-man roster that we have in place so far? Yeah, it's really been the trades. You know, they acquire... John C. Gardner-Johnson, which I'm sure was on nobody's radar, uh, let alone to get him and then transition him to play safety, which I think is a great move from the standpoint of the Eagles didn't really have inspiring safety options on their roster. I think Marcus Epps has had a nice summer. That's just one player. Anthony Harris, who got cut and is now back on the practice squad, really invisible all summer long. So for the Eagles to kind of add some more help there, and it's a bit of a projection, you know, a guy who's playing mainly at slot cornerback and moving him to safety. I'm not going to say, you know, there's not going to be any kind of learning curve here. But this is a very talented secondary player who makes plays, has gotten better basically every year he's been in the league, who has an attitude that Philly fans, <laughs> I'm sure, are going to embrace and like, a feistiness. So uh, I think that's obviously the big one. Hey, BLG, how fun is it to have 10, 11, 12 days between cut day and the first game? There's all kinds of tinkering going on all over the league. And, uh, you know, you're filling in what could be bottom roster spots. But when you take a Jalen Rager and you trade him, now you're looking for a receiver that's going to be in your top five group unless you use one of your practice squad guys. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see what the Eagles do there. I think there's a world where they only keep the four for now. And then they can use those practice squad elevations each week 
if they want some more depth at receiver, if there's injury, you can always promote Deion Kane. Uh, uh, Britton Covey is a guy who might get bumped up to the roster. We'll see. He obviously has that returner experience, can play in the slot as well. So, uh, And then there's Devin Allen, who I don't think is really ready to make an impact offensively, at least in any kind of big role from the start, but he looked good on special teams against the Dolphins. So the Eagles have some options there in the practice squad if they want to use those elevations. They have three per player each year, so I think they might tinker around with that if they don't outright add someone. Brandon, what the heck is going on with Miles Sanders? Will he ever be healthy? Will he be the primary running back this year? Do we not know? Will we find out hopefully by next Wednesday? There seems to be optimism that he's going to be ready for week one, so that's what really matters the most, but you know, there was also optimism back in 2020 when he was dealing with a hamstring issue and he didn't play week one against the Washington football team at the time. So, uh, you know, until we see it, it's hard to fully believe it with him. But uh, I think it's a, it could be a case of the team is trying to be really cautious with him right now. You know, they're, they're not trying to mess around with this hamstring. They're trying to rest it as much as they possibly can to make sure it doesn't pop back up and be a lingering issue throughout the season. But it's absolutely a fair question by you. We need to see Miles Sanders stay healthy. If he wants to be this volume running back that he thinks he deserves to be, got to stay healthy, can't fumble the ball, got to catch passes. It has to all come together for him. And it's a huge year because he's going to be a free agent after this season. So we'll see if we, he can do it. Well, I was going to ask you about running backs as well. Uh, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott are the three that are on the 53. Kennedy Brooks is a practice squad guy who, honestly, I'm not all that familiar with. Um, Needs some depth in that position, it looks like, still. Yeah, it's also uh, out there that they're going to add the Michael P. Ryan to their uh, practice squad as well, uh, formerly from the Jets. Um, he, he tweeted himself, I think, some Eagles emojis. And I, th- I know his agent tweeted out that uh, he's going to the Eagles. So there's another running back that the Eagles have there. I think P. Ryan kind of projects a little bit more of that physical back. The Eagles don't really, a traditional physical running back in a Jordan Howard kind of mold. Not quite him, but more approaching that. Uh, Kennedy Brooks also not necessarily a small guy either. He could also potentially profile in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to stick with those guys for now. But, you know, obviously if Sanders is, his injury is more serious than we're led to believe, then they're going to have to add someone. Hey, speaking of Boston, Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, with Jalen Rager having been moved, will one of those guys now also be the return man? Because Rager was the primary return guy. So who's it going to be? That's a great question. We don't know who the heels front returner is right now. That's like the, the true answer. We don't know for sure. We can make guesses. Um, again, because of the practice squad elevation rules, you could have it be Covey. And I think he would be the guy because he took a lot of reps there in practice in the preseason. I think he makes the most sense. But you know, we're saying a player who isn't even on their roster is their main return guy right now. It sounds kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's something they have to figure out. And then kick returner, too. I don't think that's necessarily a slam dunk yet. I think Quez Watkins has been doing that a little bit more. So it could be him. But that's kind of up in the air right now. Brandon, I think it's a really good thing when your head coach and your general manager come out and say, our toughest position to make cuts was on the offensive line. If you've got 10 quality offensive linemen that, that you really like, uh, and they also let a couple go that mm-hmm. they also like, that's a that's a really good thing. Absolutely. You know, it's the strength of this team. It's how they won a Super Bowl, at least l- large in part due to their offensive line back in 2017. Um, the guy that got picked up by the Giants today off of waivers, Jack Anderson, I had him on my 53-man roster. A lot of Eagles reporters had him on the 53-man yeah. roster. The fact that he didn't make the team was a surprise. 
And now there's actually thought, I was talking to someone who covers the Giants, that he might actually start for New York in week one. So that, that all really speaks to the kind of talent the Eagles have here and depth on the offensive line. I mean, you know, Cam Jurgens looked amazing in the preseason, and he's not even going to start for this team. It's going to be a backup. He might not play at all this year, given Jason Kelsey's Ironman streak. Um, so uh, they're in a really good spot there, and uh, it's, it's a good spot to be in. Can I tell, tell us one as a follow-up to that. Tell us about Sills for mm. a second. He, he snuck on this roster, mm-hmm. I guess, played well, 6'5 and about 330 pounds. What, what's up with him? Yeah, the Eagles cited uh, Harry Roseman, specifically cited his versatility as a reason. They kept him. They liked his size, too, how he profiles. He did line up, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, at basically every offensive line spot except center this summer. So there is something to being versatile. And I specifically remember watching him in one-on-ones, and he held his own in those. I, I kind of was surprised. I'm like, okay, this, you know, I don't know that he's going to make the roster. I never really thought that. But I was like, okay, maybe this is a guy you keep around the practice squad. He kind of looked like he had some potential, specifically when he was filling in at left tackle because there was that stretch in training camp where the Eagles were missing, like Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard and LaRaven Clark. Um, so he got some good reps there. Uh, I don't think it's crazy that they kept him, but it's certainly like I can't – I couldn't – anyone be lying if they, if they had him on their 53-man roster. Well, you mentioned a couple of the new guys, but uh, look at some of these other ones. Uh, did Howie Roseman have a great offseason or what, Brandon? <laughs> it's undeniable. He did. And I've been very critical of Howie Roseman in the past, but I am not shy to give him credit for having a great offseason. He was added so much talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball there. There's really no good reason for this defense not to be like a top eight, like top quarter of the league kind of unit. Um, anything less, I think that's underachieving by Jonathan Gannon. So, how he did a great job. I mean, just these trades, like getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a fifth and a sixth, getting Jalen, getting anything for Jalen Rager, let alone a seventh this year and a pick that could be a fourth-round pick next year. Like, that's – Howie Roseman understands value. He knows how to wheel and deal. I think, uh, you know, what the Eagles went through in 2020 was kind of like a reality check for him in the franchise. And I think part of the reason the Eagles kind of got away – from being the Super Bowl contender was I think there was some complacency maybe that had sit in and he hadn't been as aggressive. And now he is being really aggressive and he's making some really good moves. I think that has this roster loaded. So all the credit in the world to Howie right now. Hey, one quick follow-up regarding Rager. How ironic is it that he's now going to be a teammate of Jefferson in Minnesota? <laughs> I can't believe that. And, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside sticking with uh, the Seahawks practice squad here. It's crazy to me that these teams would, like, pass on those guys – and not be like, oh, thank, thankfully we didn't take that guy, but instead want them. That's that's very weird to me. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I was going to bring those two guys up too, as well as Davey and Taylor, uh, who got released today. Um, and back to Howie. I mean, there's three draft picks that Howie was responsible for, and they've cleaned them all out. Uh, compliments to Howie for saying, hey, we didn't get the right guys. Let's move on. Or um, just a new coaching staff saying, hey, we got to do something different. Well, I think it's the more than one thing can be true of like if you're going to praise Howie, which you should for, you know, making a good trade in terms of, okay, John Rigger, I don't think he had very much value at all and you got something for him. You also do have to acknowledge he shouldn't have been picked at 21 right. in the first place. And it's not just hindsight to say that. Obviously, uh, sometimes you go into a situation, you make the best informed decision that you can, and it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. We've seen that. That happens in sports. Uh, it happens in life. Jalen Rager 
it's hard to say like he profiled better than Justin Jefferson did. So uh, it's, it's a tough for sure. But again, at the end of the day, I think Howie has done a good job of finding a way to mitigate the damage of his mistakes. And there is credit in that. It'd be, again, nice to avoid the mistakes. And I think he's kind of doing that more of late. Um, but it's fair to acknowledge the bad moments as well, certainly. BLG, what are we going to see from this defense this year? Last year, they only had 29 sacks in 17 games. Not good. Are we going to see more pressure? Will there be, you know, more rush, rushing the quarterback, maybe even more blitzing with all these new guys? What do you expect? Yeah, I think we're going to see creativity. You know, the, the buzzword is multiple, you know, different fronts. It's not just about like a pure switch to a 3-4 or anything as it is about the ability to kind of line up in different sets there. I mean, you're going to see like a 5-2 at times with Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, and Javon Hargrave all out in the field. We saw that in training camp. Um, so I think the Eagles kind of want to be creative. And I think there's definitely, you know, intrigue and value in doing that. It always sounds good when you can kind of outthink your opponent, outscheme them. At the same time, uh, you don't want to overthink it. There's a fine line there. You don't want to uh, outthink yourself. And let's just say, for example, having Hassan Reddick drop into coverage too often. Like, that's not what you want. Yeah. Uh, I do think the pass rush will improve because you're adding Reddick, who is a player with the... F- There's only four players who have more sacks than him in the last two years. Getting Brandon Graham back is huge. Brandon Graham had a great training camp for a guy age 34 season, coming off an Achilles injury, you could easily be like, does this guy have anything left? And honestly, it might sound crazy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a career year this year. Like, he looked that good in training camp. And I also think uh, he's a player who's going to age well, considering he didn't play a ton earlier on in his career, and he takes care of himself well. So I definitely, and then, you know, Josh Sweat's taking another step forward. Jordan, You're adding Jordan Davis to the defensive line. Uh, there's definitely a lot of reason to be optimistic up front. Well, Brandon, you know they don't show us anything in preseason uh, very much as we get ready to open the season next week. But uh, I find it interesting, eight defensive linemen and eight linebackers on this roster. We're going to go 3-4-4-3, some kind of variations. What are we going to see defensively? Yeah, again, I think it's kind of like a a mix of things. I don't think it's any kind of like base 3-4 defense. That's what we are now. We're a 3-4 team. I think it's about mixing it up. Uh, I think clearly the Eagles wanted to do a little bit more of this earlier on last year. And I think they bailed when they realized they didn't really have the right personnel for it and kind of simplified things a little bit. But now when you add these versatile players into the defense, these guys who are unique and can do different things, uh, like a Jordan Davis, like a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in their own different ways, like a Hassan Reddick, you know, there's more options there. So uh, again, I think there is value in being creative at the same time, at the end of the day, at some point in football, you have to like go with what works, do what you do and do it well. I believe in that as well. So it's, it's about finding the balance, I think, between those two things. Brandon, we've uh, been talking to you for like 12 or 13 minutes, barely even mentioned the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> a lot's going to fall on his shoulders this year. He's got a lot of weapons. Uh, what do you expect from uh, Hurts in his second full year as the quarterback? Yeah, I think there's definitely a case to be made. He has improved from last season. I saw areas improvement in training camp when it came to accuracy, working the middle of the field more, specifically throwing to A.J. Brown on slants a lot. All that's great. I still question any kind of night and day difference from him. I think every day in training camp, I would keep uh, track of like, you know, stock up, stock even or stock down. 
And basically the way it shook out the end of it, it was all those were kind of even. I don't think there's any evidence that he has taken this massive step forward. He's a totally different player. It's a me- meteoric rise. Like he's been compared to like potentially doing that the way Josh Allen did. I think anything like that is unrealistic. But what I, what I do think Jalen Hurts offers is a very high floor and its rushing ability is obviously uh, something we don't get to see in training camp. So that'll, you know, we'll be reminded of that when the regular season games come here. I think he's a win with player. I think you can absolutely go to the playoffs. You can absolutely win the NFC East with him, especially the East not being in the necessarily the best shape right now. I think there are questions about the ceiling of the team, but of course, when you have a roster this good, that's all helping the quarterback. So I'm not going to say that Jalen Hurts you know, can carry this team, and maybe he doesn't have to. But there are times where there are injuries and things happen. Um, things don't always go the way you expect. Salt the Eagles in 2017, and you sometimes need one, someone to step up and be the player you win because of. And I don't know if he can be that. We'll see. We will see. Hey, I want to jump back over to defense for a minute. Uh, the defensive backfield, they've made all kinds of moves and tweaks and things like that. Do they have back to the back to the front seven, front eight, front six, whatever they're going to do? Do they have enough good defensive backs to jump in man coverage so they can start blitzing all over the field? which they have the talent to do that up front. Do they have the talent to do that on the back end? Yeah, I mean, the secondary, let's just start with the quarterback. I mean, Darius Slay is coming off a Pro Bowl season. He looked good in camp. James Bradbury had a really strong training camp. The Giants obviously cut him, but it wasn't about him being a bad player as much as they wanted to save the money and figured he wasn't a long-term fit for them. Uh, so I think he's, you know, an upgrade on Steven Nelson from what you got from him last year. And Avante Maddox is a really nice player to have in the slot. So those are your cornerbacks. That's probably the best cornerback, Eagles cornerback trio in a in a long time. And then on the back end, you have Marcus Epps, who again I thought had a good summer. I don't think I'm projecting him as a Pro Bowl player, but I think he can be a solid starter for you, a good starter even. And then Chauncey Gardner Johnson is talented. And again, the fit is a bit of a projection, but Malcolm Jenkins once upon a time played a ton of roles in the Eagles secondary. He wasn't just like a safety on the back end. He played linebacker. He played slot. He played everything. So I think he can give you some of that. And obviously that's a lofty comparison. Malcolm Jenkins is a very, very good player. Um, But I think there's definitely reason to believe the secondary can be a strong unit. So BLG, um, Bill and I next week will make our official predictions on the record. Uh, We're a week early with you. Do you have a number yet? What do you think? 11, 12? I think it's 11. Yeah, I think it's 11, and I, I I will take them to pick the East just because, too, like, there's, there's never a repeat winner in this division. Yeah. Why would you possibly pick the Cowboys, who have only gotten worse this offseason? Yeah. They just lost their starting left tackle, which is a really big deal. Um, they are one game above 500. The Cowboys are in games without Tyron Smith dating back to 2016. They might sign Jason Peters. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah, I think it's all there for them. I'm going to say, yeah, I'll say 11. I like it. Very good. Hey, Brandon, before we finish up, uh, give everybody a rundown where they can find you and all your Bleeding Green Nation things and all your social media platforms because you're always loaded and you're on top of it again tonight, as always. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, all over the place. Uh, BleedingGreenNation.com is the main place to find what's going on with the Eagles from me. Obviously, we have a lot of good contributors as well. Uh, Bleeding Your Nation Radio, we got the podcast and everything. We got the SB Nation NFL show for Beyond the Eagles, the Eagles too, but obviously the league wide landscape going on there. So, uh, and then on Twitter, at Brandon Young. 
BLG, we'll talk to you later in the calendar year and maybe even get some Sixers talking when we do that, all right? <laughs> I look forward to that. Thanks, Brandon. All right, Brandon. Thanks, as always, my man. Thanks, guys. See you. All right. That's good stuff, Jet. Brandon, hey. Brandon's all over it. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Before we uh, move along, Bill, I want to mention that we are 11 days away from the start of the Eagle season. And with that in mind, I want to see if you can identify these three guys right here, all of whom wore number 11. You know them? Well, that's Van Brocklin on the left. Norm Van Brocklin on the left. That the guy is, in the middle? That is that Rick Arrington. In wow. The Early yeah. 1970s. And uh, 11 in the current. Is that that's a Detmer? Is that a Detmer? One. No, uh, that is uh, 1996, I believe. One season with the Eagles. Longtime Washington Redskin, if I can still say that word. Mark Rippon. Mark Rippon. Remember his one year with the Eagles? Didn't play I, much, but I uh, actually forgot about that. Yeah, he, he was quite forgettable. So there you How go. How about that, Rick Arrington? You know why I know Rick Arrington? Because of his daughter and his granddaughters. And who's the, the granddaughter? Dakota Fanning and Dakota uh, Fanning, yes. the other Fanning yeah, L. actress. L. Yeah. L. Yeah. And Jill was his daughter. Jill is still his is. daughter. Yes. yes. But still Rick is. passed away uh, not yeah. too long ago. There you go. All right, Chad, school is back. Uh, good chance you're going to be back on your couch, too, getting ready for football season and getting more mileage for your car. It's time to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. Yeah, you got that right, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that, of course, is Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700 and start to save more now that you are driving less. Well, hey, Chet, uh, I was going to ask you what's going on at Labor Day weekend at uh, the Iris Rover Station House since college football started, but I understand they have some construction issues over in that area, and uh, they're shutting down for the weekend. What do they got going on for football For a couple season? of days, yeah. Well, first of all, it is hard to believe that we are approaching the unofficial end of summer already, Bill. The good news, the Irish Rover's outside patio is still open whenever the weather permits. Yeah, there is that little construction thing in progress right now. But uh, you can still get there. You can get to the outside patio, which is always a lot of fun. And you can always find dinner specials and happy hour specials. And, of course, 24 beers on tap always, including a few fancy schmancy craft beers that you might want to try. I do. Uh, very important announcement because there are a lot of family picnics this weekend. And just to keep their great employees, uh, give them some well-deserved time off, the Rover will, as you mentioned, be closed Saturday through Monday, which is Labor Day, and then reopening on Tuesday. Special announcement number two, Bill. Put October 1st on your calendar. That is the day that this great Irish bar and restaurant goes German. Get out your lederhosen. It's the Irish Rover's annual Oktoberfest celebration featuring great German foods, some special beers, the annual beer stein hoisting competition, etc. 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday, October 1st. I've been there a few times over the past several years, and it is always a blast. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. The website is irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, 
Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Well, speaking of good, uh, Chet, how good is it going to be to hear Merrill Reese? But uh, we're looking forward to that. Season will be going soon. Hey, as we mentioned in the opening, we extended our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame voting uh, for another week. As a reminder, you can vote once a day. Uh, so you get in there and vote. To vote, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Click on the article on the left column for Hall of Fame 2022 voting. Go to the bottom, click on the red link, and cast your votes. There are a load of votes being cast. Uh, you can pick your favorite five. The top two vote-getters uh, by the fans get in, and Chet and I will both pick one. Remember, the voting ends Tuesday, September 6th, before next week's show. So check it out. Lots of votes coming in, Chet. Yeah, I haven't really checked uh, the last two days, but some interesting stuff. So we'll uh, continue to track that, and you can vote every day, and uh, we'll announce the winners next week, the new That's inductees. That's right. You can, vote, you can vote more than once, and you, but you can only vote once a day. So, Correct. So uh, check that out. All right, Chet. Uh, you know how much I like college football. Tonight is the eve of the Penn State season opener at Purdue. Uh, you and I had a chance uh, to visit with the voice of the Nittany Lions, Steve Jones, the other night. Uh, we pre-recorded this on Monday because Steve's show, his own show, and his travel to get to Purdue and all that. Uh, so we had to take him when we could. We got Steve uh, Monday night, and it was a blast. Yeah, that's for sure. And by the way, do I look any different? I just changed my shirt because we're talking Penn State football now. So uh, you're 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 a walking magic act. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. Great but, conversation with Steve, though. He and Jack Ham have been calling the Penn State games together since the year 2000, Bill, and they do a great job. And you and I did have a wonderful chat with Steve, even though we only got through about half the topics that we really wanted to. Uh, lots of great stuff. And here is our conversation with Steve. It's been three years since we last talked to this guy, believe it or not. Shame on us. Uh, he is the radio voice of Penn State Nittany Lions football, among other things. Steve Jones, we say, welcome back, Steve. Hey, Bill, check. Great to be with both of you again. Finally, bring hey, Steve. back together. I know you've been counting the days. I know. Right. <laughs> Steve, let's get the bad out of the way, first of all. Last season, after that 5-0 and start, the Nittany Lions lost six of their final eight games to finish 7-6. and six. I know there were a couple of injuries along the way, but every team has injuries. What else went wrong last year? Well, I think that's a big part of it because you'll see with the top teams in the country, when Penn State won 42 games over four years, and with the three New Year's Six Bowl games, they had the depth to absorb a problem here or there. They didn't really seem to have the depth last year to absorb a problem. Even Alabama, they'll get injuries, as you mentioned correctly, but they had the depth to absorb whatever problem they have this year with the recruiting class they brought in, it has changed the depth quotient back to where it was. And I think that is a big difference because it's just the nature of the game, 12 games, 13 weeks, you're going to get, everybody's going to get somebody banged up. It's whether you can absorb it or not. And to the credit of the top teams, they've been able to Penn state in that four year span could do it last year. They could not. Well, Steve, to, to follow up on that just a little bit, uh, there were, were multiple injuries, but none any more important than Sean Clifford. Uh, sure. I thought Sean was playing pretty good ball for them in the early part of the season, but when he went down, 
like you say, there was no replacement, and it, it made the whole thing kind of fall apart. Yeah, that was big because you look at what Sean did in 19, and they were started out 8-0, and, and then he got hurt. Last year, they started out 5-0, and big win over Auburn, and then they're up 17-3 to on Iowa at Iowa, and I mean, they are in control. And then, of course, he exits because he's hurt, and suddenly they don't have the control they had before. And then they really started the spiral. And he really kind of fought his way through the rest of the season because, look, he's a gutsy guy. He's a team guy. But, look, he wasn't 100% uh, after that. And it, it made a big difference. And for anybody out there saying, well, they should add a backup ready, there was nobody in the planet who transfers in saying, I want to be the backup. Everybody <laughs> transfers. They want to be the starter because there's one position. And that's why I give the Charlie Brewer example. He's not going to start anymore at Baylor, so he goes to Utah. He starts. He starts three games. Then he's not starting anymore. He transfers. Now he's the starter at Liberty. <laughs> Quarterbacks want to start, and that's why it's really difficult to get guys to transfer in with the idea they're going to be the backup quarterback. So it just didn't work out. Bayer wasn't ready. Roberson struggled. John Clifford now 24, so he certainly got the experience, and we're looking for some big well, things from him. I mean, Chet, the running joke between him and me is who's been here longer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you and Jack Ham have been doing the game since 2000, yeah. 22 years together now, so congrats to you guys. Let's uh, start with the running backs. Noah Kane now at LSU, so we have, uh, let's see, Kevon Lee plus holdover Devin Ford and a couple of freshmen who are getting a lot of buzz, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. I believe Lee is going to be the primary guy, but tell us about this group. This is, I think, the difference maker in what Penn State can do. If they can do what I think they can do, it's going to really change a lot of things for Penn State. Lee's a good, solid running back. Ford really helps you in the pass game. But Singleton and Allen, at least to this point, Singleton and Allen as practice players have shown that they have the ability to be difference makers, that Singleton can take it to the house from anywhere, that Allen has now, and Allen's the guy that a lot of people aren't talking about, but they should be talking about. He has power, speed, hits the hole, and part of this ability to hit the hole, guys, is that it's not just hitting the hole, but it's getting to the second level, and these two guys can break tackles. And I felt that was an area last year where Penn State's running backs did not do a great job. They weren't. They didn't do a great job of breaking tackles at the second level, which prevented them from getting bigger plays. This group, I think, can do that, and I think they're going to have the holes to operate with. You know, I'm not going to go on too much about the offensive line. Do I think they're improved? Yes. But, of course, you know, let's face it. We've talked about that before. Let's all see it play out in practicality, and maybe in a month we'll have a better evaluation. But I think they got a chance. <laughs> and that, that was exactly what I was going to ask you about was the offensive line. I'm no offensive line guy myself, uh, you know, so it's always there first for me. Um, well, offensive linemen are really smart, Bill, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. Well, you know, it seems like over not just last year, but over the last handful of years, they've had a couple individual guys that turned out being pretty good and ended up playing pro ball. Uh, but as a group, they've never seemed to have brought it back together for actually quite a long time now. Yeah, and years ago, I was, you know, I had done a lot of research about, you know, what it's like with sanctions when you get cut down on scholarships. 
And it came back to the same thing over and over again. The area of the team that takes the longest to rebuild is the offensive line. And USC was a good example of that, too, because they were at 75 scholarships for years. But now, of course, they've been out of that for a while. And so to your point, is now they've got to get to the point where guys where they're developing, and I think they've got eight guys that can play now. And I don't think I've been able to say that in a while. And I look at Scruggs. Now, Scruggs is an NFL player. There's no getting around it. Worley was going to be the starting left guard last year, Bill. He gets injured in the last scrimmage before the season. That was a big loss right there. Getting him back has been really important. Now, they flipped him over to right guard, okay? Tangwall is a really good player. And now you add in Norzak. And Norzak transferred in from Cornell. And they've done a really good job, Bill, of betting transfers. This guy is not only smart, he's from Cornell, so I don't want to interview him. And, <laughs> and, but he's powerful and has good technique. He's going to play a lot. And we'll take it on a week-by-week basis to see if it all comes together. Last year's wide receiver go-to guy, of course, Jahan Dotson in the NFL now. Uh, who do we have as pass catchers this year? Is it Mitch Tinsley, Parker Washington, those guys? Mitch Tinsley, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith. Uh, then you add in Malik Mega, big kid who can fly. Uh, and then Harrison Wallace. That's another name you should be watching for as well. Uh, Harrison Wallace. I mean, those five guys to me are the five prime guys. You know, you look at Lambert Smith, Wallace, Megan, they can kind of take the top off. Parker Washington and, and Tinsley are ultra reliable, but in a lot of ways they're the same guy, but they'll both be out there at the same time. Plus, you've got to add in the tight ends. The tight ends, all three veterans, Theo Johnson, Bretton Strange, Tyler Warren. It's not a question of catching the ball. Last year when they beat Auburn, they, the three of them combined for six catches for 130 yards, and they were huge factors in winning the game. But remember, too, they're the H-back. So they've got to also, at the same time, being a part of the pass game. Those three guys are going to be critical as really blockers in this running game that we just talked about. Well, let's jump over to the defensive side, and I, I guess the best player of that group uh, is probably Joey Porter. I, I read an article said that he's as good a corner has been at Penn State in many, many years. That's uh, it's big shoes. Length, speed, and good cover skills. Uh, I think that really defines them. I mean, you want to have big corners in today's game. Uh, if you can get a corner at 6'1", 6'2", unless Joey Porter has the length that he has, uh, even if you're beaten by a step and you've got length, you can still make up for it because you can cover that kind of ground just in pure you know, with your arms. Jair Brown led the nation in interceptions last year at safety. Having him back to quarterback that secondary is really important. And you can't put a price on what P.J. Mustaver coming back means. It doesn't mean that Mustaver is going to play 70 plays in a game because they've got depth of tackle, which really helps. But he has a presence about him. You know, he's, he's a big-time player that can be a first-team All-Big Ten selection. But also his presence and his leadership mean a lot. We'll keep an eye on the linebackers, too, including Curtis yeah. Jacobs. But i got to ask you about the head coach. Uh, even though James Franklin's uh, record 
against Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, a combined <laughs> seven and seventeen. He's two and thirteen against top ten teams. Not great, but then last November he got that big. 10-year, $75 million contract extension. Is he under more pressure than ever this year, do you think? Uh, not with Pat Kraft, no. Yeah, uh, clearly. The, I, mean, I mean, Pat and he are on the same page, the athletic director. So that's that. That's no issue. Look, the 10-year deal, let's be honest about it. What are Penn State fans used to? Penn State fans are using, used to having coaches here for a long time, and there's a stability to it that when he goes out to recruit, they're always going to ask if the cloud is, I mean, is hanging over you. How, how, if you're Scott Frost, how are you going to recruit? Okay. Yeah. How are you going to recruit? Because every parent and every player is going to say, well, are you going to be there next year? Right. Well, now with a 10-year deal, he's got that comfort level in recruiting saying, hey, look, I'm your coach. Right? You're going to come here. This is what you're going to get. It's about the stability of the position because the programs that really struggle are the ones that look around and say, doggone, um, we need to change. Okay, now look, and sometimes you have to change. There's no question, sometimes you have to change. You know? And Brian Kelly, for example, is at Notre Dame for a long time. They weren't going to change, but he left on his own. Well, now you got a guy that you got locked in for 10 years, and you feel comfortable about what you're going to get and how you're going to be able to recruit. But you have to also make it pay off. He knows he's got to get back to being the 42 wins over four years that we talked about in 16, 17, 18, and 19. And a lot of that is internal pressure. Now you're always going to have, for some reason, there seems to be a lot of pressure on Twitter. Oh, why? <laughs> uh, but, you know, Shocking. odd reason, I don't know. And, uh, you know, but that's funny, you know, but I want my fan base to be passionate. I don't want my fan base to be apathetic. If you have an apathetic fan base, you got a problem. Hey, Steve, you mentioned Manny Diaz. Uh, he comes up from Miami. He fired yeah. as the head coach there. Quality defensive coordinator up to that point. Things didn't go yeah. too well with the Hurricanes. Uh, are you expecting any much different uh, scheme type things from Manny on defense? Bill, there's a lot of elements that Manny Diaz has in there that Brent Pride had. Because what Brent Pride did worked. But at the same time, there's certain ways Manny wants to play. And Manny is big on attack attack and when you're done attacking attack again and the bottom line is he just wants to get takeaways as often as possible he's got the personnel to play the multiple sub packages i'm talking about and also it really helps getting adisa isaac back getting chop robinson to go with nick tarburton okay to bring in you know i mean man over and deny dennis sutton you want more pressure from those guys, and don't discount Akeem Beam at a defensive tackle. That's a real speed guy that you've got playing right there in the middle that could be hard to handle. I love a defensive end named Chop. That's just cool. <laughs> you know what? You know how? You know why he's called Chop? No. He was a fourteen-pound baby, and oh. when he was so when he was when he was born, his father started calling him Pork Chop. <laughs> so finally, it got to the point where he says, "Well, I don't want to be known as Pork Chop." So now it's just chop. Which is better than just pork, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I don't think I want to be known. I don't want to be known as that. No. All right. Last thing from me. Um, the lines are not in the top 25. That's rare. We don't like that. But we saw what Kirk Herbstreet had to say recently. Penn State, a sleeper pick. What is your honest outlook, Steve? What should we expect this year? 
Look, do I think they're a good team? I do. Uh, do I carry them in the top 25 at this hour? No. To me, you go out and you can prove it every single week. Last year, I believe it was, what, eight of the top 10 teams in the first two and a half, two, three weeks of the season lost and fell out. Mm-hmm. So you let it, you just, you just let everything happen organically. You know, by the end of the month, be ranked. And then the key is where are you rank when the college football playoff poll comes out at the end of the month of October. Right. That's when it really becomes important. So I don't worry about the rankings. That's good for TV ratings. You'll have an opportunity to prove it by playing at Purdue. You'll have an opportunity to prove it by playing at Auburn. You'll have an opportunity to prove it by playing at Michigan. Right? You'll have an opportunity to prove it when you play Ohio State, Minnesota. So you can go on and on Northwestern here. You'll have plenty of opportunities to prove about where you really belong. So I don't really care where you start. Steve, one final question for me. Looking forward, uh, USC and UCLA are going to join the Big Ten. Uh, good thing, bad thing. For me, for me personally, I, I'm an old traditionalist. I want to see that Rose Bowl Big Ten pack, Pac-10 game, but it's gone. I'll be honest, Bill. I loved it. I mean, when they expanded the other times, you know, Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'll, my first thought on Maryland Rutgers was, well, for basketball, I can drive. Right? You know, I mean, that, you know, it was good to have an Eastern component. That's fine. This one genuinely excited me because to me, this is, this is, if you're going to expand, you want to hit a grand slam. When Penn State came in, they hit a grand slam. I mean, look at the TV ratings. The number one rated school last year in terms of average TV rating was Ohio State. Number two was Michigan. Three was Alabama and Penn State was four. So you can't put a price on three of the top four brands because Penn State averaged 3.9 million viewers a game last year, fourth in the country. Penn State had six of the 41 games of 4 million viewers or more. USC brings that kind of cachet in to the conference where now you've got four mega brands like that all in the same conference. You've got the L.A. market. UCLA adds in an important secondary brand to go with Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. I mean, despite Nebraska's record, they draw fans, okay? And they've got a great fan base. And Michigan State. So now you get five primary secondary brands with four primary brands. And that's why the TV package is the way it is. You're getting $8 billion over seven years out of your TV package because now you've got New York. And look, Penn State brought in New York anyway. Okay, but you can't technically claim it unless you have a school in the footprint. Well, Rutgers does that. Okay, <laughs> right. And then, of course, the D.C. area and Baltimore with Maryland. Then you have Philly, the fifth largest market in the country. Then you got Pittsburgh. You got Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Chicago, Milwaukee. Madison's not bad. Okay, Minneapolis. Okay, Des Moines, Lincoln, right? Now you add in Los Angeles. So you have four of the top five markets in the country in your footprint. And I, let's face it, when USC comes to Penn State, how juiced are the fans going to be? When UCLA comes to Penn State, in football or basketball, how juiced are the fans going to be? Yeah. Right? Fans want to see big games. They love games with stakes. They bring cachet. And how excited are the fans in California going to be to have Ohio State, 
Michigan, Penn State come out to play in the Rose Bowl or the Coliseum, right? To see Michigan State in basketball play a Pauling, right? To see Illinois go out there and play a Galen. I already know the arenas. We're good. So, I mean, I mean, to me, that's the kind of grand slam you're trying to hit. Now, there are other things people talk about that don't excite me. This one did. I'm hoping we get to see lots of push-ups from this guy this year. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> he looks like he's in shape. He's good shape, yeah. Well, Ted, that was good stuff with Steve. And, uh, you know, I the old traditionalist that I said I was uh, <laughs> leading into that conversation on the way out, uh, I'm on board. Can't wait. Um, and he, he's right. You know, uh, I've always been a UCLA basketball fan for way back in, the, in my kid days. You get to see them roll into Happy Valley or see any of your football teams roll into Coliseum to play USC. That's pretty cool stuff. I'm sure our pal JR is excited about it. Yeah, well, he just he's excited because he knows they're going to come in the league and just get beat up. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all right. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, but, hey, good stuff from Steve, as always. And, uh, you know, uh, he's pretty excited about the team, but he seems like he's uh, realist, pretty realistic as well. And, yeah, this guy's ready. Tomorrow night it all happens. That's right. Tomorrow night uh, at Purdue. Oh, by the way, Chet, just as a as a programming note, yes, eight o'clock tomorrow night on Fox. Uh, but there's some question about at nine o'clock. Some guys wanting to give a presidential speech. Oh no! And, yeah, and so there's a possibility that that game moves. I don't know if it's going to move in the middle of the game or what to FS1 or Fox <laughs> Business Channel or. <laughs> They don't show the speech. Hmm. Um, so that's if you, if you can't find it, look around because it, it's going to be on, but not exactly sure where well, it might end up. Just start watching at 8 o'clock and they'll tell you, you know, what's going on. So Right. Or if, yeah, and I mean, but if you go on at 8 o'clock and it's not there, you better be reading the ticker underneath. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll probably be telling you. I'm sure they'll alert you. That's right. All right, hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to all the shows at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week, wall-to-wall coverage, as usual, and getting bigger and bigger. Uh, you can catch all the action on www.eopsports, as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. You can find our show, Philly Press Box Radio YouTube channel as well. Help us out. Hit those subscribe, follow, like buttons, and share with your families and friends. And as you can see, it's every single day of the week. Yeah, uh, round the clock pretty much nowadays. So uh, it's an exciting time, as we've been saying. And uh, yeah. we've got it all covered for you. That's right. That's right. Uh, hey, Chet, great guest tonight. Brandon Lee Gowton, Steve Jones, uh, covering football for sure. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, next week, you and I, of course, will unveil our new Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Famers. And I promise we will do it next week. We will also have two great guests, awesome guests, in fact. We have our official Eagle season preview show that we do every Wednesday after Labor Day, it seems. And we have this guy joining us every year. He's kind enough to do it once again. The great longtime radio voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. 
He signed a contract extension a few months back and basically said he's never retiring. So Merrill's sticking around, and we're happy about that. In addition, uh, yeah, you and I will make our Eagles season predictions, and so will our other guest, Bill. That's a guy we haven't talked to in a while, so it'll be fun to have him back. And that, of course, is the Boopster, Boop, Bob Vitrone Jr. So, yeah, you, Boop, and I will not only make our Eagles season predictions, we will also make four or five NFL games predictions every week. And uh, we will see, Bill, if I can defend my title because, yes, I won our little competition last year. Yeah, 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 Good, good guess. Looking forward to it. Merle's what, 85? No. Merle's what, like 78? Uh, I was thinking he was in his 80s. We got to look that up. We will look it up. All right, Chet, let's talk Phillies since you uh been babbling about them all day. They're currently – uh a half a game ahead of the Padres, two and a half games ahead of the Brewers uh, for that second and third wild card spot. Three nice wins last weekend, as we said, against the Pirates. Then they get shut out on Sunday. They go and have a debacle on Monday to the Diamondbacks and then turn around and lose last night, getting blown out. Uh, and you, my friend, quickly jumped right flat off the bandwagon. I hope you didn't hurt yourself. Oh, my God. First of all, Merrill Reese will be 80 on Friday, 80 years old this Friday. Now, as far as the Phillies, I'm not off the bandwagon, and I don't hate Aaron Nola. But the numbers are what they are. He has struggled. And if you put this up, you'll see that in September, during his career, his ERA jumps like a run and a half. 4.60. Look at all the home runs he's given up in September as compared to July and August. And I know it's still August, but I said he got a head start, jokingly. I am not rooting against Aranola. I hope he pitches the way he did against the, the Reds. I hope he pitches the way he did against the Mets a couple of weeks ago, but not the more recent time against the Mets. I'm still in his corner, but he's got to show it to me, Bill. I, I thought what you were going to put up there was a calendar that showed that it's really was only August 30th when he got lit up and that you're going to put stats up, meaningless stats up for September since it's only August. He got a head start on September. I'm in his corner. I hope he goes out next week and shuts somebody out, whoever it is. Did, did he get tomorrow. a head start last outing when he threw the shutout? Was that or what was that? Against that Cincinnati Reds team, those I powerful don't care Reds. who it's against. They Okay, last night he pitched against the Diamondbacks team who was hitting 228, second worst in the league, only to the Pirates, and they knocked him around like crazy. Yeah. I know these things happen, but he's got to show it to us that he's better than that in September. I hope he does. We have other concerns, though, Bill. Zach Wheeler still on the injured list. Um, Ranger Suarez, the last couple of starts, looked great for three innings, and then in the fourth or fifth, he suddenly loses it, can't find the strike zone. That's a concern. The bullpen, which was so good all season, is all of a sudden struggling. Uh, the good news is Sir Anthony coming back, and maybe Zach Eflin can work out of the bullpen when he comes back in September. So well, there are and you, concerns. And you, didn't, you didn't hit the biggest concern, really, and that's that the bats have slowed down. Yeah. Um, even with Bryce Harper back in the lineup, not swinging a bad bat. Um, they're just not putting putting big hits together and uh, leaving too many guys on base. That That's a big thing. And, uh, you know, you, you can't keep getting in these close games, especially when you have a banged up bullpen like they do, trying to get trying to get healthy down the stretch. Um, they, they, need, they need to hit. Um, and like I say, I'm not too concerned about getting blown out a couple games. 
but you got to win the series and they're not going to win this one. Um, but you got to, got to win the series. And if you get beat 20, nothing in the first one, win the next two, that's all you need. The good news is the stopper is on the mound tonight, Bill Bailey falter. He did it after Nola and Wheeler lost against the Mets a couple of weeks back. And now it's up to him tonight to salvage a game out in the desert. And he's actually not been doing a bad job. I think the Phillies have won four out of his last five starts. So he is keeping them in the games, which is nice to see. Uh, But, yeah, there's some injuries. Uh, Bohm seems to be a bit backed up. Uh, Castellanos has missed the last few games with turf toe. They say he's day-to-day, so... You know, they could use him back in the lineup. I'd like to see Harper start hitting some bombs, and I'm sure he will eventually. But uh, there are concerns, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they're making Keith Hernandez, though, look right all of a sudden with their fundamentals. They've, you know, been playing some sloppy ball, making some bad errors of late. So all of a sudden, tonight's series finale in Arizona is something of a must win, if you ask me. And then they go to San Francisco, and you don't want to have Gabe Kapler ruin their season. And we don't want to have this potential dream season fall apart and turn into a bit of a nightmare this week on the road out West. Well, the the good news is we're having all this talk while we're sitting in the second wild card position. If you were two games out or two positions out of the wild card position and talking like this, then you, uh, you know, that's where we've been and we don't want to be there anymore. I believe that is now a 0.5 uh, for the Phillies over the Padres. Ah, okay. Yeah, this was from late last night on uh, Comcast or whatever it's called now, NBC Sports Philly. Maybe the Padres game wasn't over yet. It was after the Phillies game. But, uh, yeah, and the, Brewer, the Brewers are actually two and a half. When I, okay. I checked it before the show tonight. So 0.5 yeah. and two and a half. But uh, either way, they're still in that spot. They got those two teams. They got to fight off. And uh, they got to play better ball, get better pitching, get better in the bullpen couple guys are coming around that were struggling a little bit and uh they need to be able to slam the door here yeah um and then the good news is i mean you don't always win against the bad teams but they've done pretty well with that this year and right after this road trip they come home and they have nine games six of them at home against the marlins and the nationals and then three games in washington or no back in miami actually so Nine games against a couple of the you know bottom dwellers of the NL East, so right, chance but, to make up some more. Aren't there six games with Atlanta and three with Houston here in September? Yeah, after that, September, yeah, you got right? Atlanta, September. Toronto, and Houston. So yeah. it, it will be tougher later in the month. Uh, another thing in the Phillies' favor: the Brewers have a very difficult schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, one other Phillies note, a Phillies-related note. Rest in peace, Lee Thomas, the architect of that 93 team. He was uh, the Phil's GM, I think, from 88 to 97 or thereabouts. He passed away early this morning at the age of 86. So uh, rest easy, Lee Thomas. Yep, I saw that. Absolutely. All right, Jed, let's take another quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Parting shot for you tonight. This, this hour flew by. Do I have a parting shot? Um... Let's see. Yeah, you know what? I do. Um, 
it, it's not sports related, but that never stopped me before, Bill. Could have done this as a random chat, perhaps. But uh, here's the deal. It was just a few weeks ago, Bill, that you made your triumphant return to the multiplex. But I have a feeling a lot of people will be doing that this Saturday. No, not for any particular movie, but because the movie theater industry is trying something new this year to, you know, boost attendance. They are hosting something called National Cinema Day. $3 movies this Saturday, Bill. Um, according to the website about this new wonderful pseudo holiday, the $3 price point is good for all movies, all showtimes, all formats. So you can watch, you know, IMAX, 3D, whatever, in pretty much any theater, AMC, Regal, Cinemark, even get those nice reclining chairs, even if it's 8 o'clock this Saturday night, $3. So that is great. Uh, the good news is, you know, you can go and see a movie cheap, but uh, you can still complain about the $8 popcorn and $7 sodas. Well, you know, this is a really great idea, but do they realize that it's the first Saturday of college football? Like, who's going to the movies for $3 when you could be sitting home watching uh, <laughs> major, major college football games? It's Ohio also State, you know, a holiday Ohio weekend. State, well. Notre Dame, by the way. Yeah. You, a holiday weekend with a lot of family picnics and stuff. So, you know what? DVR, DVR the uh, college football game. Go to the movie. Watch the football game later. Man, you got issues. <laughs> you you got – I can't even go there with you. I'm just throwing it out there as an option, Bill. Uh, um, hey, are you excited about making our uh, predictions next week? Uh, I am. It and- I am. I'm going to actually look at the, the schedule a little bit closer and uh, – dissect it out and uh, see what we come up with. Uh, but you know, I'm feeling like it's going to be a pretty nice, uh, a pretty nice record. I think I feel pretty good. Yeah. I, I just pretty good about it. I just can't decide if I think the Eagles going to go undefeated or go 16 and one. So I'm still working on that. 16 and one. Yeah. <laughs> would that be no. the one that I'm going to be at? In Indianapolis? <laughs> no, it, would, it would be the one that I go to because you know my record. I think they've lost six in a row with me there. So I'll be at the Steelers Eagles game October 30th. So everybody just place your money on the Steelers right now and you'll make some cash. <laughs> and I'll be in Indianapolis for the Eagles Colts November 20th. Tell us uh, anything on the Philly uh, sports trips, anything new there before we go? Uh, they got it all happening. You know, they're going to all the away games and I wish I could go to the September 25th trip in Washington, but unfortunately I will not be able to do it, but yeah, they got all the trips happening. Uh, there's the schedule. They'll start in Detroit and they got something like 18 busloads now for that week three game down in suburban Washington. That is going to be wild. Uh, I so wish I could go to that. Arizona is a fun trip from what I understand. The stadium out of Dallas on Christmas Eve. Where would you rather spend Christmas than Dallas Christmas Eve? So phillysportstrips.com. You can get all the information about these Eagles trips, about a trip to Wrigley Field in September, a trip to Nashville in October. Check it out, phillysportstrips.com. I've used them a couple of times, and they are fantastic. All right, let's wrap this thing up, Chet. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Brandon Lee Gowton and Steve Jones, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September the 7th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com, slash phillypressboxradio, on all the Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 
iHeartRadio, and others. Don't forget, go to the website, phillypressboxradio.com, and vote for the ninth annual Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Hi, hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and let's go PSU. Hi, hopes, PSU. 